Welcome to Page Rebels, where we spotlight indie authors and help readers find their next favorite books. I'm your host, Lori Thorne, and today we have urban fantasy author J.M. Chaley with us, and this is a wine time episode, so feel free to join us, uh, pour some of your favorite delicious beverage of your choice, doesn't matter, and we'll jump right in. Thank you so much for being here, J.M. Oh, thank you so much. It was uh I caught your um, interview on uh, Ben Pick's show, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And um, I got my copy of Remotely Love. So, oh. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> my wife, I think my, my wife and I are both going to read it because um, I'm going to be writing some romance later in my career. So, I need to read in the genre I write in. So, I'm looking forward to reading that, especially after your interview. That's true. Well, thank you. I hope you enjoy, it. and I'm very open to feedback. So, let oh. me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds it's it sounds like a great book, so I'm excited to dive into it. Cool. Well, what are you drinking? I got white Chardonnay. Oh, <clears throat> I did not bring wine, but I brought soju, which is a Korean rice uh, beverage. <laughs> cool. It's not like sake; it's a little bit different. And this one's flavored uh, green grape, so it's very sweet and yummy. Mine is, is, is Chardonnay, but it's actually a little sweet for a Chardonnay and for me in general, but I, I'm not too fussy. I'll drink it anyway. <laughs> I like Chardonnays, yeah. So tell us about yourself. Well, um, let's see. I, I'm, uh, I work full time, so writing is uh, something that I try to do in my spare time, which is not a lot of time. <laughs> um, I'm married. I've been married for 25 years now. I have a son and a couple of pugs. And, uh, you know, they're all wonderful and they take up a, a, my time in a great, wonderful way. So the amount of time I have to write is, is small, but I try to get what I can do to, uh, to stay current and keep reading to stay current and, and keep up with some things. But the genre that I typically write in is is urban fantasy, which is really what what mostly I read these days, uh, because I love the idea of the modern world having this kind of secret, you know, uh, de demographic of like weird creatures or magic or something like that lurking, you know, in the shadows or whatever. Yeah, the idea of magic being around us is is one that i really like yeah uh, so i definitely get that and is it true that a group of pugs is called a puggle am i right about that it's called a grumble a grumble yeah i knew it was something adorable a grumble yeah it a puggle is actually a, a, a cross between a beagle and a pug oh also adorable yes so both words <laughs> are pug related <laughs> i knew i know someone that has a grumble. Now I know yeah. two people. No. I uh yeah, I used we I had one that passed. So I had a grumble. So I don't know if two two pugs are considered a grumble. I don't know. That's that Does might have be, to be three. I feel like you need a bunch more, but oh, okay. It's kind of like a crow. If you only have two, it's like attempted murder, you know. It's not <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh and we're here tonight mostly to talk about the unlife of Lisa Cooper which is your book. When did this come out? Pretty recent to right now. 
Yes. Yeah. As of this recording, uh, it came out only a couple of weeks ago on October 6th. Exciting. So I'm still riding that kind of like, ah, you know. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. And looking at everything as it comes in, like I look for reviews and stuff yes. all the time and like yes. sales yeah. every day. Refresh, refresh. Yes. Yes. My <laughs> wife's like, will you stop looking at that? You know, I'm like, but, but you know, something might happen. I know. I literally can't. Well, Tell us about the unlife of Lisa Cooper. Such a good name, by the way. Oh, I was intrigued the moment I read it. I was like, yes, tell I need to know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Lisa's a vampire, hence the unlife part of the title. Uh, she's she's about 160 years old, and she was actually uh, an Irish immigrant back in the 1800s. Um, she came to America in 1850 to escape. Um, the potato famine when she was only 12 years old. Now, none of that's in this, in the story. That's, that's, that's a backstory, okay. but um, just to give you an idea of where she came from and, and her age. And Lisa has been staving off her curse, the, the, the temptations of her vampiric curse for a long time. And it's allowed her to keep the remnants of the, woman she was in life so she looks you know for a vampire she's not particularly pale and her skin is a little bit warm but she's denied herself the power due to a vampire her age because she's not as fast or as strong as her fellow vampires because she's denied that curse but embracing her curse and and and, and taking on those powers has a cost and that's really what she wants to avoid the more she consumes and allows this temptation to take her over uh she'll lose herself to this dark spiral and she'll slowly her whole sense of being her conscience and her um her whole identity will burn away like a wick on a candle the further she lets it go and it even gets more uh terrifying because the more a, a vampire drifts down that dark spiral the more deathly they become they take on a a deathly pallor their skin will get more more and more pale until they finally look like you know walking cadavers and in extreme cases where they allow themselves to slip too far down their skin will actually begin to rot wow so when lisa looks at that kind of scenario she's like no thanks i would rather be weaker than to have this atrophy of my body and lose myself lose my humanity lose my 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 soul, you know, but the, the, the problem of the book comes, the, the dilemma, the stakes that arises is that for a vampire who has staved off her curse so long and refused the power that comes with it, very dangerous things start coming out of the supernatural world around her. And she finds herself lacking the power that she needs right. to protect the people she loves. Mm. that's so, a heck of a temptation right do you put the people around you at risk or risk yourself yeah so you know she has the curse almost whispering in her ear it's not a sentient thing but it's like a, a nagging like a hunger basically saying oh let me in i'll i'll take care of this problem for you you know i'll, I'll give you the, the speed and the strength you need to to take on this adversary or do this thing you know and she's like, well, uh, let me try to find this, you know, figure, figure it out on my own. And 
it starts being a very dangerous dance at the top of the spiral. And, you know, it's a lot of adventure and, and action, but there's, um, there's also some cozy moments. There's a dog, <laughs> there's a dog, you know, and there's a, there's a romantic arc too. So, um, you know, which, which makes it, you know, as soon as you put a love interest in there, right. Suddenly it's like, Oh, I got to protect this person, you know? So right. things start getting complicated for Lisa um, in this book. And the story is how she faces those challenges, you know, whether or not she'll lose herself trying. Right. Ooh, I, I, I'm on the edge of my seat. So your, your vampire lore, I mean, it's, it's not, I was wondering if it would be super traditional and it sounds like you've got a little bit of tweaks in there. Um, I, a a little it, bit. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, there's, there's, you know, there's people that have done similar things in other, you know, vampire iterations. Mm -hmm. um, and I certainly have created sort of uh, a different origin for vampires, like where the first vampire came from and, and how he was created and all this kind of stuff. And that lore and stuff is in, is, is, well, it's not, I'm not I don't really spell it out in this book, but it's, it's, it's there, you know, it's, it'll be revealed over time. Yeah. Um, but uh, I did want to keep some of the traditional stuff because what happened was I, I, I thought, well, let's do like, should I do a different take on vampires? Like some authors do. And I think that's great. But really when it boiled down to it is like, Lisa's powers really don't contribute to, they don't drive the story, right? Like the fact that she can turn into a bat doesn't drive the story her curse that make that allows her to turn into a bat. That's the story. You know, the, it's, it's yeah. really just a question of, you know, what can her curse do is almost inconsequential to the fact that she just has that curse. So when I, when I realized that her powers were sort of not the driving force of the story, I thought, well, let's go with what makes vampires cool. And to me, those were traditional things. So I actually went, back to Bram Stoker and his concept of vampires, which was, you know, uh, turning into a wolf, turning into a bat, having this sort of charming gaze where he can, you know, look into your eyes and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I, it's, it's a mix. It's a mix of like kind of new stuff and traditional stuff. That's really interesting. And I noticed when I was getting ready that, you have um, some other works that have vampires as well. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, not to divert totally away, we'll come back. But mm. what attracts you to that type of, of lore? Is it, I mean, you said before, right? Like just kind of that urban fantasy vibe, having something supernatural right within our grasp. Has yep. that always been true or especially for vampires? I love, yeah, I've, always, I've loved vampires for a while. And yeah, my other, my other piece is um, the vampires of 1863, which exists as a Kindle Vela series, but it'll, it'll come out in a novel format eventually too, but that's actually a prequel and that's Lisa in the 1800s. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but no, to answer your question, uh, I love vampires. You know, when I was a kid, I'd watch all the old, like Christopher Lee Dracula movies in the seventies. <laughs> I'm dating myself, but, um, and I always found those really fascinating. And 
I don't know. They were just like the coolest monster, I thought. And uh, they're pervasive but, too. You know, yes. even what we think of as traditional lore in the states is different. If you go to other countries, um, it's yeah. a fascinating sort of thing. Yeah. But one thing I noticed about how vampires are always, but mostly portrayed, is usually like, you know, in the horror genre, they're the monster you have to kill. Or they're the romantic interest of, you know, the lady with the handsome whatever, <laughs> right? Or um, they're the side character of the urban fantasy hero or heroine. You know, like just off the top of my head, the Mercy Thompson series, the Iron Druid, the, the Hallows series, all of them have like the vampire friend, you know? And I wanted to take, and then all that's great. I mean, I love all that stuff. But I wanted to take a um, a vampire main character and focus on her and particularly her struggle with the with the curse, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, well, it sounds amazing. And I know you talked about Kindle Vela, and the Wicked Wound of Whitney Hill is also mm. a Kindle Vela, and that ties into Lisa Cooper too. It does. It does. So Lisa Cooper started off as um, a Kindle Vela series. And uh, for those that might be listening that, that don't know, a Kindle Vela is, is Amazon's serial format for distributing stories. So basically re you release your story in episode format, you know, however many episodes a day or a week or a month or whatever frequency you want to do it. And it's almost like the old Penny Dreadfuls from the early 1900s or late 1800s when they put them in magazines and stuff. Sherlock Holmes used to be published in serial format. You get a new episode in your newspaper and that sort of thing. And that's what Amazon's trying to recapture with this Kindle Vela series. So over the course of 30-something weeks, I published one episode or more of Lisa's story for a total of 40 episodes. I finished that in March of this year, 2023, and put them into a, a book. And that's what The Unlife of Lisa Cooper is. The Wicked Wound of Whitney Hill um, is a short story that takes place between like episodes 22 and 20 something <laughs> between these side characters, these uh, the group of seven women that belong to a coven of spellcasters. And they're the ones that actually discovered this evil that's going on in Whitney Hill, which is an actual place in Watertown, Massachusetts. And they warned Lisa about it. And when I was writing this episode for Lisa, I thought, I want to dig into like what the what the women did. What did the this these you know remarkable ladies you know in this coven? How did they find this problem, and what did they do about it? And it's a sh very very short little story. Uh, it's only 41 pages and uh, it's on Kindle Unlimited. And I think the paperback's like $3.99 or something. It's a very, very short story. Um, but it basically talks about how they come together, how they use their magic, because they're not all witches. They're all different kinds of spellcasters, all different ethnicities and different cultures that come together with their own flavors of magic and they combine them together. And they find this evil in the woods in Watertown. And uh, they 
do something about that. There's a little bit of adventure. And the whole point of the where it bleeds into the Lisa story is that this is the fallout from what they did and what's left over and that sort of thing. And then Lisa has to deal with it. And that's a whole other problem in, in the same woods. <laughs> it's a, it all takes place there. Oh, yeah. It's a, <laughs> I it's, love your, you're building like this whole world across time. Like, hmm. I just, I just feel like it's going to be huge. Like you're going to keep writing and I like, so. yeah, <laughs> that's something to look forward to. Uh, that's the groovy thing about a like character that's a vampire or or someone that's long lived. You know, I could write a story about, hey, what was she doing in the 1920s? Like, oh, you know, I can just come up with a, an idea or a adventure. I, I have no idea, but the potential's yeah. there, you know. Yeah. And oh, the, the yeah. Unlife of Lisa Cooper is going to be the first of three books. So there's that too. And it, you are, have been so kind to agree to read us an excerpt. Um, oh, yeah. I, I would love to hear it. I, ooh. <laughs> before I've never like read in a for anybody before <laughs> um I always use my my pre-sale my uh proof copy as my beater right <laughs> so I can like bend it around I don't have to like can abuse be, it. particularly gentle with it so these these chapters by the way they're only 2,000 words or less so they're like really short um you know, because they were originally Kindle Vela episodes and I wanted to keep the read, the reads short because that's the expectation. If you're diving into Kindle Vela, you want a little quick little read and get in, get out and, you know, 15 minutes on a Sunday or whatever. So the chapters I'm, are very short. I'm a it's, huge fan of short chapters. Actually, oh, okay. Sometimes if I'm in a long chapter I, and then you have to find the place to save and there's not like a good place to stop. So. Yep. Let's see. Okay, so um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna dive in in the middle of chapter one, basically to set the scene a little bit. Um, Lisa is on a, a hunt, and she finds this nightclub in Boston called the Imperial Nightclub, and she's kind of scoping the place out. And she sees, you know, we've all seen this kind of club scene, right? There's the dance floor, and then these little side tables off, and there's people like just kind of sitting and drinking and watching people. They have no intention of ever dancing. They're just going to hang out, right? And then there's the bar. And she's looking around. She's like, the bar. That's where, you know, she's going to go. It's the place to be. Yep. <laughs> um, so let's see. So she sees she sees the bar, and she's she's heading towards it. The problem I had was there were too many people all the and there was no place to stand against the bar itself the crowd surrounding it was two or three people deep i always had to get my hunt so i got into character i surveyed the scene until i found two young men sitting alone over the din of the thumping music i heard one tell the other this place is taps let's go to fitzy's i don't want to drive all the way to fitzy's let's just hang here a little longer the girls are hot that was my cue I stepped up to them and pretended like I was trying to flag down the bartender. He'd never see me. That was the point. This was the part of the hunt where I needed to get noticed. My black skirt graced the top of my knees, nothing too short. My blue top clung nicely to my chest, but it only gave a hint of cleavage. I leaned. I learned a long time ago, if you show off too much, a lot of men get intimidated. But if you show off 
a little, then you're like what men, then you are like men like to call hot but approachable. <laughs> the game was harder for others of my kind. Many of them looked too pale or sunken. They had to rely on their charming gaze for the get, from the get-go. Even the ones that had been good-looking long before the calm, their calmness left them, ravaged by their curse. I've kept my mortal looks. It's been painstaking. But the hunting becomes easier when you're still a pretty young lady with fair skin, dark hair, and green eyes. It didn't take long before I felt the eyes of the two men on me. I pretended not to notice. I pantomimed a weak attempt to get the bartender's attention. The guy that didn't want to go to Fitzy's leaned toward me. Hey, what are you having? I'll flag the bartender down. Oh my God, thank you. A white zin? I flashed a smile and matched his volume so he could hear me. I watched the guy feverishly attempt to get the bartender's attention before finally hitting pay dirt and asking him for the Zinfandel. Thank you so much, I smiled. No problem. What? He forgot to speak up. I pretended I couldn't hear. Little tricks like that help keep mm. things help things feel more normal. No problem, he repeated louder. I started for my purse, and he waved his hand. No, 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 it's on me. Thanks, I said, keeping my smile on. Just you tonight? He looked over my shoulder as if looking to see if I had a friend or a date. Just me. My friend bailed with some dude. I was going to leave, but then I figured, fuck it, I want to dance. It was an obvious invitation, and he didn't miss a beat. You want to dance? Maybe after your drink? I glanced at his friend. Friends can kill a hunt. Nobody likes being left alone. But he seemed fine as he swiveled his head between his friend and me. No, let's dance now, I replied. Yeah? Okay. He lit up. He turned to his friend. You okay? The other guy leaned towards him. Yeah, bro, go ahead. That was all it took. A couple of dances, an ignored glass of Zinfandel, and the obligatory, please, dude, she's into me, conversation with the friend, and I had him walking me to my car in just one hour. I had no car. Bosworth Street was just a walk away and right off Tremont Street. As late as it was, the street was bound to be abandoned with only a few parked cars at most. It was an overgrown alleyway. I steered the man towards the side of the street. I never did get his name. I never really wanted to know anyway. How far away did you park, he asked. Not far, just down. I turned to look down Bosworth Street. There was a couple arguing very loudly about whether or not the boyfriend or husband had been hitting on the jello shots girl. Damn it. Just down through the granary, I improvised. Instead of leading him down Bosworth Street, I crossed the street and headed into the granary burial grounds. He followed behind me, casting a confused glance down the other street. The Granary Burial Grounds was a cemetery that boasted the graves of John Hancock, Sam Adams, Paul Revere, and the Franklin family. It wasn't ideal, but the center of the grounds had a chubby obelisk, the Franklin Monument. It would have to do. My escort was already getting wary. Through the grave? What, did you walk three blocks to get into the club? It's just on the other side. Sorry, it's just so late, so dark. Yeah, of course, no problem. Can I call you tomorrow night? I'd like that, I feigned a smile, just a little longer. The Franklin Monument sat on a raised square with grass on the top of the stone walls. A black plaque upon the obelisk read, Franklin. You know, Ben Franklin was born in Boston, but he moved to Philadelphia later. He seemed proud to know that little piece of trivia. 
I hopped up on the low wall of Stone Square and stood on top of the little patch of grass. Are you allowed up there? I laughed and grabbed his hand. I pulled him up top. The grounds was a wide open space, but the flat, the fat obelisk would provide some cover. Hey, you're pretty strong. This was the part, the end of the hunt. Some vampires tried the seduction thing, flirting, kissing. I don't kiss people I hunt. I have no illusions that they are the victims, but I try to keep things as consensual as I can until I peered into his eyes and called upon my powers of my curse, my charming gaze. For my kind, the gaze is easier to use when the victim knows them a little more or is enamored with them. I could have charmed him in the club, but that would have taken too much, and I don't pull on my curse too heavily. When we pull on our curse, our curse tends to pull back. Oh, wow, you're beautiful. The man smiled at me. I took his hand and guided it against the shadowed side of the obelisk. My eyes never left his. I saw his pupils shrink. Eyesight was always the first to dull. He was ready. I leaned into his neck, letting my fangs elongate. His flesh was cold in the night air. His arms wrapped around me. I let my teeth sink into him. The taste of copper hit my tongue, tinged with whiskey. Jameson, maybe? What are you doing? Blood had barely started flowing through my lips when when his neck jerked away. What the hell are you doing? He pushed me back and stared at me, mouth agape. His eyes fell to my bloody fangs. Oh, shit. <laughs> my heart yeah. was beating. I was like so nervous reading that. <laughs> oh, no, you did so well. And it, oh. I was fully there. Like your description of the bar being three people deep and not being able to get up there. And even. Right? Don't you hate that? <laughs> and it happens like, every time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it just felt it was so immersive. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Uh, so I don't think I need to say everyone needs to rush out and check out <laughs> the life of Lisa Cooper. You oh. gotta know more. That was a great cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> <Sorry>. you. <laughs> and you said, um, I ask everybody like their strengths and weaknesses uh, in case that kind of weaves into conversation. And I thought it was really interesting. You said that you're something that you're proud of, right? Is your dialogue. Um, And especially in tandem with some of your characters are very old centuries. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wondered if that comes into play. Do you think about how they speak or how they think differently than the characters that are mere mortals. <laughs> so there's a there's a there's a, there is a scene where one of the vampires, um, who's a little bit younger than Lisa, but he's he's in his seventies. He's texting, and he's using like you know he's signing off his text. You know, dear Lisa, blah 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 blah. Sincerely, Brian. You know. And she's like, you know, so Lisa makes a concerted effort to stay current with uh, trends and pop culture because that's a necessity to blend into society. You know, if you're still walking around saying words like, you know, hogwash and hooligans and, you know, whatever, you know, um, you might stand out a little bit, especially if you look like you're in your 20s. You know, if you're using the parlance of some older 
you know, and there's some vamp, don't get me wrong. There's some vampires that'll be like, you know, ragamuffins, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> and uh, they turn a lot of heads. Lisa tries to stay current um, as much as she could. The one little, but I, but I ding her every now and then where she'll occasionally run into something and go, what the hell is this? Like, like music is one of the things. Chapter one opens up where she's complaining about techno. And she's like, what happened to music? Oh my God. You know? And um, <laughs> so that's kind of like one of the things. And there's a, there is a scene in um, later on in the book where she, she, she's hunting and this guy, this young 20 something brings him, brings her back to his place, except he lives with his parents in his, in this finished basement. And he has all these uh, posters on his wall of like Japanese uh, anime manga and stuff like that. And he's talking to her about like that whole culture. And she's just like, no idea. She's like, yeah. And she's like, is this stuff that I should know? Like, (laughs) you know, but I did try to get into the mindset of like, when you, I'm not the same person I was necessarily when I was 16 or 20. Right. But I like to think that I still have kept my youth a little bit, at least in here, my spirit. And there was something that George Harrison said of the Beatles and I'm going to butcher the quote, but he basically said, it doesn't matter how old you ever get as long as you maintain your youth in here. And that made me really think about what, what that meant for like an immortal, like, is there like a cutoff point where you, you just keep getting older, but if you have the convictions, maybe you get to hold on to the person that you used to be, at least in part. And hopefully you won't go down that dark spiral and become a monster. But, you know, in Lisa's case, she's still very much herself. Yeah. That's cool. It's cool to think of like, like that. Um, And you would have to, like, I didn't even, it didn't even, register to me yeah i think about true blood did you watch that oh yeah loved, loved true blood, true blood. Yeah. loved it yeah <laughs> that's a great show yep. but those i mean i i have to fight not to call vampires vampers because of that show <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but th- those are pretty up to date and i never really questioned it until i started thinking about like the book context I don't know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And I know you've already mentioned, but like finding time to write is a huge struggle for for you, for me. I think for most of us out there, yeah. out there, unfortunately. Um, but you've done it. You've obviously you've got works out there. You're adding to your, your Vela episodes, like you're turning them into novels. That's incredible. Do you think that Kindle Vela, like the, the episodic nature that those small things help in that regard? Um, that's a great question because, you know, I, I actually, when I finished the vampires of 1863 in eight in, sorry, August of this year, 25 episodes. And then I went to concentrate on the novelization of the unlife of Lisa Cooper. And I, and I'm working on some other things now I'm writing a sequel. I don't have time to go back to Kindle Vela. Kindle Vela was a massive demand on my time because I was putting out content 
every week. And I wasn't like writing an episode and releasing in the same week, but I was still writing new episodes that would see the light of day, you know, a month later. I was writing like all the time, every week I was writing. Um, And I had a very aggressive schedule. And when I stopped doing that in August, suddenly I had like all this free time because when you're writing a novel, you know, it's different. You can write as much as you care to and you publish when you're ready or Mm -hmm. done. And if you procrastinate, there's no one sitting there saying, Hey, where's the next chapter? You know, cause it's just you, you know? And I got like all this time left in my life and it was really nice. <laughs> and um, I'll be honest, I, I took sort of like a mini vacation where I just was like, I'm not even going to do anything for a month or so. And now I'm trying to get back into it because I'm writing the the sequel to the unlife of lisa cooper and and uh but i think what helps me is is that my wife is awesome and she um she gets it she knows and i'll say hey you know i need a i need a couple hours tonight you know it's like one or two nights a week maybe i'll be like i need a couple hours where i just need to heads down and do like a little bit of whatever and she'd be like no problem and then you know i do that and then i head out into the living room and we watch TV or do whatever we're doing the rest of the night. So um, having someone supportive has been, has been amazing. And that's a big, big help. Yes. And can I say good on you for taking a break? I think my husband and I were talking about that (laughs) and he's an individual contributor and I'm trying to write and it's like, no one is going to pick up those pieces, right? No one can write the story for you. Right. So yep. there's this drive to just yep. keep going. I just got to get this done. But there's always the next thing. And I think taking breaks um, when you need them is hard. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad you had a break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's that for me, that's the biggest challenge. Because if I have time to write, if I'm not like, if I'm not procrastinating myself, then I can, I can be productive, but you know, it's a good problem to have when the stuff that you're doing is, is just as fun as writing. You know, I, I spending time with my family and my pugs and going out and doing stuff is, is great. So it's not like, uh, you know, it would be nice if I didn't have to work and I could just write all day, but I still have to pay the mortgage. <laughs> right. Big, big blessings though for all of it. So that's, yeah. it's all good. <laughs> Uh, and let's see, we're coming over to the end here, but let's talk about parting advice. Does not have to be writing or book related, but we all need some good advice sometimes. What do you think? Oh boy. I, you know, I think the biggest advice that I usually give like, uh, like on my YouTube channel is, is to, is to cut yourself some slack, right? There's always going to be times when you're whether you're having imposter syndrome or you're just down on yourself because you haven't written enough or you haven't, you know, no one's going to take your manuscript and, and poof it away. It'll be there for you waiting when you come back. So take that mental health day, take the time you need. Um, You know, it's, it's okay to, to take however long it takes to write a, to book, you know what I mean? Um, and just be 
you know, treat yourself well and cut yourself a little bit of slack and allow yourself to, uh, to take whatever time you need for your own mental health and whatever needs to be done. Excellent advice. Sleep on it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, the Unlife of Lisa Cooper is available now, and I'm going to put that link so you can just click it and just go straight to it in our show notes. Um, <laughs> but where can we find you online, JM, when, when we want to connect with you? Where should we go? Yeah, you know, I'm very active on Facebook and Twitter or X or whatever people are calling it these days. Um, I also have a, a uh, YouTube channel where I talk about my writing journey. And sometimes I talk about like how to do things. I give little short tutorial things on how to do stuff like, you know, writerly type stuff, but it's mostly about my writing journey and what I've got going on. And uh, where I talk about where I've screwed up. So you don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But those are the big ones. And then of course, jmchaley.com, which is my website where you can go and check it out and, see what I have going on, but there's a little thing you can click, like say hello and you can write me a little message or whatever if you care to. And I respond to everything, you know, people will ping me and ask me questions or give me feedback or whatever. And I always, I always reply always, always. Excellent. Well, thank you. I will include those two in our, in our show notes. And thank thank you you so much for being here. Thanks Thanks to everyone who is listening out there. And if you enjoyed Page Rebels, please consider giving us a like and subscribe. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much.